Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. Welcome folks to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden. That, that's your, usually hello. you say, oh, is yeah, that my right. cue to say hello, I, I'm right. Typically. If, if that's still okay. your name, All right, cool. I think. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, folks. So yeah, this, it is. if you listened last week, we had a pretty serious political show with uh, best-selling author Rick Shankman. And I, I think I speak for Ray when I say we needed just a bit of a departure show. You know, we usually focus on some more serious topics and and we wanted to really have a fun show this week. So we invited on former Major League Baseball player and current Oakland Athletics uh, skipper, Adam Rosales. Uh, he's going to join us here in just a minute. So what do you think, Ray? That it's a bit of a departure, but I think this is going to be a blast. Oh, I think it's fantastic, man. It's, it's just great, and I'm impressed with you. Um, you know, you've got guys from Harvard talking politics, Major League Baseball players, and I bring on friends who, you know, work with me at the bowling center. <laughs> so you're a pretty impressive cat, man. But, no, I'm well, really looking forward to, to speaking with Adam. I remember his, I remember his career. I remember, uh, you know, a few years in Cincy, our hometown club. And, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to talk to a, a former Major League ball player? Very nice. So, uh, so I guess without further ado, let, let's have some fun here and, and bring uh, Mr. Rosales on the show, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen. Adam Rosales. Hey, Tristan Ray. Good to see you. Good to good to be on your show. How are you, Adam? Yeah, pleasure man. To, pleasure to meet you, man. I know you and uh, Tristan have spoken a little bit before. It's our first time meeting. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, likewise, Ray. So, I Adam, to push something up really quick. I know you said I'm um, the Oakland A skipper. Oh, no, did I, did I say yes, that? Did. I apologize. Oh, my I gosh. Too, I'm sorry. Adam. I heard it, too. He, he may be predicting yeah, the future. I'm, I'm I heard like, it, too. <laughs> I'm not ready for that role quite yet. Maybe uh, <laughs> Freud, Freudian slip. Freudian slip for sure. So, yes, yeah, so so skipper of uh, the, the minor league rookie ball squad for the Oakland A's. Yeah, right here in Mesa. Yep. Almost like the nice. lowest level rookie ball team. And that's awesome. But, hey, man, you're a young guy, uh, not even 40 yet, if memory serves. And to, to be where you're at right now, man, that's very huge. And the sky really is the limit. You know, we could be having this conversation in five, six years, and I will be introducing you as the Oakland Athletics Manager. There you go. That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Still, though, for sure. Nice. So um, I got a couple um, Facebook questions, so I guess uh, we could start with a couple Facebook questions, get the ball rolling. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I, Teresa, uh, do you mind, before you do that, If for those who might sure. not know, would you always do this to me? Can you can you maybe, Adam, just run down what his career was, what years he was in the bigs, and, and you know, how that kind of just came about? It was a, It's a good 10 years or so, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to play, I mean, it was eight full seasons, but on and off for 11 years. Yeah, I started, I got drafted in 2005 out of Western Michigan University as a senior, and I just wanted a chance to play pro ball. Get me on a plane. I want to see what the competition is. I feel like I can keep up with these guys. So they gave me a shot. I climbed the ladder really quick, 
And I made it to the big leagues in 2008, and I debuted on August 9th, 2008, in Cincinnati. Cool. That was pretty special. But then I got to play yeah. for, you know, I got to play for six different big league teams. You know, play for the Reds, the A's, the Rangers, the Padres, the Indians, and the Diamondbacks. That's so it's pretty, pretty special. That is great. Yeah, and, and actually, a uh, funny story. I, I usually tell it whenever I speak to Adam if we're in public. But uh, the, the way I met Adam was pretty cool. Uh, he was actually called up, I, I guess it was 09, if I'm not mistaken, for opening day uh, in Cincinnati. And during the, the night before opening day, the Reds made a trade for a reliever, which put them over the roster limit. And he was in Cincinnati for opening day, was being sent back down to Louisville. So I met Adam in the in the Cincinnati Reds hotel, and we chatted for a little bit, and then came back up and interviewed him when he was called up, maybe a month or so later. Do you remember that, Adam, by chance? Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't remember the the first time we talked. I'm not sure where I was. I thought it could have been in Sarasota, possibly spring training, but yeah, because. I was never there in opening well, day. Yeah. <laughs> I was never in town okay. opening day until 2010. Okay. Finally broke the. Well, you were the if again fuzzy memory, but you were you were about to play for the Reds. May have not been opening day, yeah. but it feels like you were about to play, and then it seems like maybe they traded for Cordero or something, kind of in the last minute. Yeah. And you, re- I was always on those last minute exchanges. Yeah. You know, there's always the last minute. <laughs> bring Rosales up or send him down. I was always at, <laughs> on the brink of, you know, being sent back to the to triple A or being on the big leagues. But yeah, I mean, I do remember those, that time where it, it, it was quick, you know, they, they did send me down and then before you know it, you're back up in the big leagues. And it's pretty amazing when you get that call back up and you can contribute at the major league level. It's pretty, it's a special, special Absolutely. place to be. No yeah. So I get the feeling from you saying you were drafted as a senior, uh, out of was it Western Michigan? Is that right? Yeah. What? Yep. Western so Michigan. as a senior, so did you feel like you probably weren't like the, um, you know, like the highest recruited guy, right? Like if uh, if you weren't drafted. No, I definitely was not the highest recruited. Guy. You know, I was. I was always. I've always felt like the underdog. You know, I always feel like I had to prove myself. To the last day I played baseball, I feel like I had to prove myself. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess I played with a little chip on my shoulder in that sense, and that brought energy into me because I, I knew that there was guys a lot better, a lot more talented than I was, and the opportunities that they had to become major league baseball players is not the same road that I had. So I knew I had to be on point every single day, if not every single day, every single pitch, and it kind of drove me to know that these guys were remarkable ball players. Um, and the talent that they had, I knew how to do everything I could to keep up with them every single day. Well, and you're sort of notorious for your hustle, too. I, I think people that followed your career and, you know, everybody in the world, whether they could uh, put the home run trot with the name at the moment, certainly saw you on SportsCenter hit, hitting home runs <laughs> right. and sprinting around the bases, which was uh, awesome. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was doing that since I've been a little kid, you know. And I always said I would stay true to myself. If I ever got to play in college, if I ever got to play pro ball, if I ever got to play in the major leagues, I told myself when I was about 14 years old, I'd always play the same way. And, you know, I stuck to the, I stuck to my word, and it, it, it panned out for me. And it, I, I always brought that energy the best I could. 
So pitchers can be a little bit finicky. Did you ever get the impression that anybody ever feel like you were trying to show them up? Obviously, you were not. That's not your personality. But did anybody ever take offense to the sprint? No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. They always kind of respected it. I don't think they really thought much of it. I think they actually enjoyed it. Just get on to the next pitch. (laughs) Right. So, okay, uh, Ray, unless you have anything real quick, I'm going to get to a a couple Facebook questions that we had. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. uh, So my college baseball coach, Todd Morris, uh, messaged in and wanted to know what your coolest or most memorable moments were playing in the majors. Uh, It could be on or off the field, uh, individually uh, and as a team. Well, there's no question it is Dallas Braden's perfect game on Mother's Day, May 9, mm-hmm. 2010. Just got claimed by the Oakland A's and got to play in that game. I got to play second base. I think I played it. I made a play in the seventh inning. Um, and you could just feel your hand just sweating profusely <laughs> in your glove. But your mentality <laughs> is that I'm, I'm going to do everything superhuman if possible to get this play for Dallas and to be a part of that yeah it's a team I mean it's his accomplishment but it was more of a team uh, memory for me and it's always going to be my favorite memory of baseball from from the time I played Little League until my last day playing it's Dallas Braden's perfect game so Adam you say your hand sweating in your glove pitcher's got a perfect game going are you thinking to yourself there at second base don't hit it to me don't hit it to me or man hit it to me I'm making oh, this play hit it to me I want that ball <laughs> okay cool I'm hungry for cool. this ball ah, there you come go out of my perfect. shoes for this ball and and Adam what about all those superstitions you know baseball we all played it not to the level that you did but um you know the superstition you don't step on the foul line and so on and so forth and you always hear if a pitcher's got a game like that going everybody ignores him in the dugout is that the case yeah but Dallas was pretty chill about it you know he he made sure he sat in the same spot um there's some guys I know like our teammate at the time Brett Anderson left-hander you know he would do some Crazy superstitions, which I always, always love. As a baseball player, you just admire like how you can be so consistent and so on point with your routine all the time. Uh, superstitions are pretty funny to watch. Them. Like uh, they are. Turk, Win- Turk Window. I remember you always. Yeah, old Cubs pitcher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he'd always brush his teeth or whatever <laughs> in between innings. Or I always remember watching him. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I, I, yeah that's such a that's got to be a phenomenal memory to be a part of a perfect game because what? There's only been thirty uh, ish perfect games in history. I yeah. think it's twenty three to be honest with you. Wow! Yeah, I it's think, a low I think number. Twenty, the low twenties. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so. So, a uh, question from Todd Clanton who asked. Well, first of all, he wanted me to give Ray a hard time because Ray, you messed up Matt Coral last week on the show. You said he played for old. Uh, Ole Miss, but he plays for Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Or now I'm saying yeah, it backwards. Yes, it's the yes. yeah. He's, he's so, so okay. he's the young guy that got hurt in their in their bowl game, and and he was all in about playing, and said I'm definitely playing, and then he twisted his ankle in the first quarter, which was terrible. But yeah, okay, yeah. So okay, so his question uh, to Adam is nastiest pitcher you ever faced. Um, nastiest nastiest lefty's got to be Clayton Kershaw. Nice. A nastiest mm. right, he's got to be Justin Verlander. Mm-hmm. Wow. Pretty good Those names. Those two guys are pretty tough at bats. I can imagine. Do you know what you batted for either of those guys' career? Did you hit them both? Or? I know Verlander, I batted zero. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I never, I never, but uh, Kershaw, I, I snuck a couple 
seeing eye ground balls up the middle. I got a couple base hits off, or got walked a couple times by Kershaw, but he's just got a nasty cutter. His low, his pinpoint location, his big curveball, and just his mechanics, you know, his delivery is very deceptive. And just his way he competes, you know, I think that's what separates right. good ball players from great ball players. It's just the way you compete right. and the way you show up and the, the tenacity that you have, and he's got all those. Um, so it's fun. It's, it's definitely fun to compete against him. So this is pretty cool, and I, I, I think I saw this online. When you retired, I'm guessing this is uh, means you're a fully vested MLB uh, retired player. You get the gold card, right? Can you? T- <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my god! Tell us about the gold card. Well, man, we start, I, I talked to Anthony Bass about it when we were playing for the Rangers. We were in the clubhouse. I had five years in the major leagues at the time, and Anthony Bass is like, "You think you can get there? You think you can get to eight years?" Because the goal is to get to 10 years, but he, for some reason, we were talking about the gold card. And he's like, you think you can get to eight? And three more years seemed like a, a lifetime. Like, it, it seemed like almost impossible to get three more years in the show. But I ended up getting it, getting the gold card, but it was pretty remarkable because in 2018, I, I knew my career was coming to an end. I felt like I was losing a step. I was focused on my family and getting back home to them. So I had... Nine days left. I had nine days to get that gold card. I just needed nine more days in the show to get the gold card. So I was short, and I was in Columbus the whole entire year in 2018. I played in AAA the whole entire year. And finally, the last day, Chris Tremme, the Columbus Clippers skip, called me into his office and told me that I was going up to the big leagues. Nice. And I knew... I almost knew that that was my last time getting called up. It's like ah. <laughs> I've been blessed and fortunate enough to like have those like that that intuition. But that was the last time I got called up, and I got those nine days. Got to play for the Indians, which is my wife's hometown, is Cleveland. So and going from I got to play in Cincinnati to start my career, and then I ended my career with the Indians. You know, I got the whole Ohio connection. So it's it's really special that I got those last nine days with the Indians. And, like, last year, my wife and kids, we went to about eight Diamondbacks games, you know. So, we definitely get good use out of the gold card. <laughs> That's awesome. So is, that, is that what the gold card is? It gives you access to ball games? And, and, and you yeah, you go to any, major, any, any of the 162 games in any city you're in. They give you two tickets. Nice. But, I mean, I, the Diamondbacks are so graceful, you know, gracious that they give our kids tickets, too. So, they hook us up with a couple more. Oh, that's so really it's, cool. It's really nice of them. Nice. Now, you went to the playoffs with the Diamondbacks, right? Sure did. Yeah, we won that wild card game, and my goodness, that was unbelievable. Those are another, you know, I talk about the perfect game, but those experiences are life-changing and so exciting. It's like such a reward to go play in the postseason. It is just, just ignites you to play in the postseason and to play with the Diamondbacks. And now this is where we live, you know, so I had that connection. We had some great memories with the Diamondbacks. Now, do you have, like, a favorite moment uh, during the postseason for yourself? I think that well, the, the wild card game against the Rockies, you know, um, just a great game. Um, Archie Bradley coming up huge. Archie Bradley, pitcher, right, our closer, or, or setup guy, whatever you want to call him. He – Came through. He hit a triple. Ha. I think to put us, give us the lead or tie the game. I forgot, but 
it was a huge big time triple for the Diamondbacks back in 2017. So that was the most memorable. The cr- I never heard such a, uh, a stadium be so loud. That's crazy. So it was that was that was uh, definitely fun. So now that you're, I guess, managing, coaching, uh, retired from playing, do you do you want to play anymore, or is the itch completely scratched as far as like, do you want to play softball or like some adult league or something like uh, golf? Adam, do you golf? No, I, I got no nice. desire to play. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. I like playing like pickup games of basketball or like playing other sports. I try go golfing once in a while, but that's Kind of a, a mess. Humbling? Humbling, to humbling? say the least. It's, I'm almost like <laughs> Charles Barkley out there. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like to do other things to, to compete. But I feel like I'm still going through this transition from playing to coaching to being like a, just a normal civilian <laughs> kind of idea that it's tough, man. It's really tough to make this transition to find out what really motivates you, you know, that drives you. Uh, physically, you know, to, to get up every morning uh, to do. So I'm, I'm really trying to wrap my my fingers around something that, that can I, I can really uh, attach to, you know. So as a world-class athlete, I mean, as a Major League Baseball player, you know, one of the most in-shape human beings on earth, I mean, when you look at it by the numbers, what do you have motivation to stay physically motivated? I mean, you sort of touched on it just now, but like, to be in shape and to keep your body in shape, or, or is it a little bit more chill at this point? Oh my gosh, it's so chill. I haven't been like in a workout program since 2019. Like I haven't like, I start up for about a month and then I stop. But in baseball, if I did that, there is no way I make it. You know, like so it kind of like a testament of being a major league baseball player and how much work we truly put into that. Uh, it is grindy. But yeah, I I need to get. I always say that. I, I always say I'm going to start a workout plan because I know it's so. It's it's not just good for your body, like for your physical body. It's good for your mind. It is. So right now, I feel like sometimes my mind like misfires because I don't have that physical activity um, that that I really yearn for. That I really have a desire to get back into. It's just finding something to train for. I think that's the key. Whether it's a triathlon or an Ironman, <laughs> like something to train for so that you prepare for it. Because if you don't have anything to train for, you might as well just sit on the couch and watch football. Hey, Adam, um, tell us what we don't know about the life of a ball player in terms of what you're talking about. Training, I'm assuming at this point now it becomes year-round, and people look at a ball player and they say, you know, it's every kid's aspiration, but then, you, you know, somebody says, well, what an easy life. It's two and a half hours a day, then you go home. I'm assuming your work day is an eight, ten-hour day. You're there early, you're staying late. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what we don't know about your day-to-day when you're playing Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's got to be a very structured routine. And you can't let anybody disrupt that routine. It's got to be regimen. I mean, it's got to be rigid routine. Regimen. And you got to stick to that all the time. And not just during the season. It never ends. It goes into the offseason, too. And a guy like in my position, I would have to go play winter ball. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Like, even you saw Hunter Pence do it. You saw Albert Pujols do it this year. Wow. Yeah. Right? In order to get 
to stay above water, you have to put in that extra ounce of energy. And some you gotta you gotta find a way to get it because you got other responsibilities too. You're not just a baseball player. For me, I was a husband. I mean, I am a husband and a father too. And then you want to be involved in the community as well. But you got to make sure that you protect your routine like it's sacred, you know. Because if you don't, you're not going to make it. Right. I think that goes for any aspect in life. You know, if you have a desire to achieve anything, I'm sure what you guys do right now with your, with what we're on right now with your podcast, you have to have a structured regimen. And people helping you all the time. Sure. You can't do it on your own. So I don't know. That, those are just little bits and pieces. I mean, there's so much depth to it. Right. But I say sticking to your routine and having like that mastermind, those people that really support you and care for you to get you through the hardest of times because it is difficult. Yeah. And one thing going back to when you were talking about the training, I mean, what could be more motivating to train your body than knowing you're trying to win the World Series championship of the world? Like, it's got to be hard to switch that to now I'm going to run a half marathon in a couple months. Like, it's still cool, but it's not quite the same mentally that, to, to get up for, really. But uh, right. but uh, you, you mentioned your family a few times. How tough is that on uh, your wife and kids? Now, obviously, probably not as much anymore, but when you're playing and you're not home all the time and, and you're traveling so much, was that a, a, a lot of effort? I think it's a lot of effort now for my wife for me being home. I think she kind of liked the baseball lifestyle. But it's, it's, no, we have such a solid relationship. Um, and the support that she always gave me as a, as a Major League Baseball player. But more importantly, it's, it's the kids that it was really hard not being there, like months on end and coming back and seeing how much – they physically have grown and mm. cognitively have grown and and how like there is a disconnect a little bit, you know, but now it's like this is great, you know. I, I don't feel like they're uncle anymore. <laughs> wow. I actually feel like I feel like, hey, we there's some boundaries we need to set. There's some discipline that needs to be had. And because I love you, you know, and I want to be here for you. I want you to know that I'll always be here for you. Um, when when you're playing it's like it's tough to really capitalize on that it's mm. you're away and when you see them it's like you're their they're um they're your niece and nephew almost to be mm. honest with you um, Interesting. and it's all fun it's all fun in games you know but it's that's not the way life goes life is very um there's a lot of challenges and a lot of um lessons that you need to learn and you need a backbone to support you through that so yeah. I hope that's what I am for them right now I feel like I am nice I know I have a lot to learn so it does feel like that uh yeah, that is kind of unfair. Like your wife's getting to do all the the messy cleanup and the, the you know the chores. You get to come in and, and bring some gifts and have hugs and, and fun and okay. But you know when they start getting fussy, it's like all right, got to go play again. See you later. Exactly yeah. right. Yep. Now now I get to be uh, in the thick of it and get to be on the front lines with her, and it's a uh, it's definitely a blessing. To, it's definitely a gift to to have. Yeah, and it's such a small window. I mean, it's really tough to not obviously take advantage 100% of, you know, having that, that kind of talent. Yeah, no, sure. um, yeah, definitely. So when did you know or did you always know that you had major league talent? Did you always feel like you were going to play in the majors or is it something like you sort of hoped for? That's a tough question because, yeah, you have to. You have to know, like, since you're a little kid, you have to know that you are you belong there. You have to know, like, that's what I'm doing. There's no question in my mind. You have to have that, but 
again, going back to proving myself every single day. There's not one day I took off. There's not one day I couldn't think that. You know, I had to prove myself every single day. But I remember going back to Western Michigan. I was sitting on the couch with my buddy, Joe Zach, Zacharuski. Um, Shout out. I think I should be. But we were on the couch and we were watching the Tigers game. And he, I asked him randomly, I'm like, hey, do you think you could play in the major leagues? And he immediately is like, no way. <laughs> and I'm like, why not? Like, and I saw myself, because I was watching like Brandon Inch hit at the time. And he's a great ball player. But I'm like, man, I could play like that. I feel like I can play like he plays. But that, because I really saw it. I had a vision. And I really bought into it. Um, so I go back to that time with Joe Zach sitting there at Western Michigan. That's when I like really feel like I separated myself. Like, I was different. But hey, look at I could do this. But now let's let's put my money, you know, make sure you can walk the walk, right? You know, yeah. one of the things that I found fascinating, um, you know, after playing a little bit of college baseball, and I never really thought I had, you know, sort of uh, professional talent, but I, you know, love the game very much, and I, and I went to a few uh, major league tryouts, or I guess they're all minor league tryouts, but, you know, tryouts nonetheless. I was amazed, even outside of college, no one had ever told me how important speed was. So, like, I just thought, man, if you can play defense and hit, you're going to get a look. And it's almost uh, unquestionably, and, and correct me on this if you want, almost more about speed than talent. And I was fascinated by that. But what else, well, first of all, would you agree with that? And what advice would you give somebody that's a young uh, young man or, or woman that wants to, to go on and play professional baseball or softball? Uh, what to work on, basically? Yeah, I mean, you work on your strengths for sure. Like, whatever you're good at. Like, my bread and butter was my arm. So I made sure it was accurate, right? I made, I made sure, like, but you work on your strengths and you try to cultivate those weaknesses. Um, like, my weakness was I have heavy feet, you know, but I had a, I, I was going to play shortstop. I was determined to play shortstop, so I had to find a way to soften my feet up. But you talk about how important speed is. I mean, it's hard to – I don't know if you could teach speed. I feel like that's God-given like a Billy Hamilton or Mike Trout, they, they can, they cruise, you know? Um, and they say speed is the one thing that slows the game down, right? Because as a pitcher, you know, there's a speed surround first base. He's going to have to vary his looks. He's got to vary his time. And it's, you're always concerned about this guy that he's going to be in scoring position. You think about the outfielders that have to throw to the right bases because you got to know what speed of the runner is on first base that you can't get the guy out of third base. So you better keep the double play in order and throw it to second base. But having speed as a strength can take you far in any sport. You know, I, I feel like that is, again, God-given, but it's such a, a, a unique talent to have. Um, but you got to, obviously, to implement it into baseball, you have to learn, you have to have the right hand-eye coordination and you have to have other skill sets as well. But a, a speed is definitely, I, I mean, it's one of those the five tools that that scouts yeah. look for. Right? Can you run? I love what you just did there, Adam. You just broke down baseball in a real baseball guy's <laughs> way. And obviously that's leading you into managing. And I've often thought, and I'm sure Tristan would agree, of, of all the major sports, 
In my mind, tr- uh, baseball is the most intricate. There's so much strategy that unless you're really a lover of the game, you never see, and you're sort of going down that road, and, and now you're uh, attempting a managing career, and I'm assuming you played for a number of managers. A- any that you've taken from, you know, who were your favorite guys to play for and so forth? Oh, my gosh. I was fortunate enough to play for some amazing managers. I mean, obviously, in Cincinnati, I got to play for Dusty Baker. And yeah. I was so happy to see him go to the World Series. And what he did with that team, especially with all the controversy, everything, and the way he, his leadership, unbelievable. Right. But to play, my favorite manager of all time is Bob Melvin. Right. Um, just uh, was fortunate enough to play, probably because I played for him the longest, but just he was really direct with me. And he communicated with me, cared about me. Um, big fan. He, you know, I was a huge fan of what he brought to the Oakland A's. Now he's in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're lucky to have him. And I play, you know, I get to play. I get to play with Andy Green, and then I get to play for him in San nice. Diego. So that's a special story. That's cool. You know, I, I mean, I can go on with all the managers I've had, both, you know, in the major leagues, in the minor leagues, my coaches at Western Michigan. Like, it, I was fortunate to have such great coaching all the way up. So what was some of the best specific advice uh, you ever received from, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be, I guess, a manager, but managers, coaches, teammates. Uh, what what advice that you were given completely blew your mind or changed the way you looked at the game? Well, there's two things that come to my mind. The, the number one thing was Jimmy Hickman. He, he was an old-timer and played for the Cubs. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he, pointed at my, he pointed at my head he said, Rosie, do you know what that is? And I gave him some rookie ball answer, right? <laughs> he says, that's going to be your filter. And I was in rookie ball in Billings, Montana at the time. And that separated me to know that a lot of people are going to be telling me a lot of different stuff. And I'm going to have to be able to be my own coach and be able to filter out the bad and the good and just keep moving forward. And the other thing was Adrian Beltre. I talked to Adrian Beltre about a two-strike approach. And I thought he was going to be like, you know, going to be a little bit more careful. And, you know, like, I don't know what I was thinking. But he said that he treats a two-strike approach like it's a hit and run. And the reason why he does it, because he doesn't trust the umpire. <laughs> he doesn't trust the umpire is going to make the right call behind the plate. So he's always he's more aggressive with two strikes. And I'm like, wow. You know, that's, that's pretty remarkable that Adrian, Adrian Beltre would have such profound advice like that. That's great. So, that is really good advice. Yeah. yeah. So did you have any superstitions, anything? Uh, obviously, you mentioned the routine, so that in itself can be a little almost superstitious. But did you have anything else that was sort of like, you know, a little bit different that you did? And if not, uh, some cool examples of that that you saw? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mentioned Brett Anderson. Like, he would always have, like, like a like a whatever a bottle, and he would do like a little routine with his bottle <laughs> and stuff. And there's there's a lot of different things for me. Superstitions kind of came and went, but one that stood out to me was I was in Louisville in 2008, like a step away from my dream of playing major league baseball, and I started putting a muffin <laughs> in milk. Like a trace, like a trace leche, you know, like a like the Mexican dessert, and I lo- it was I loved it. It was like a, and I kept on doing it. And every time I had it, it had hits in it. I was I would always tell everybody it's got hits in it. And one day, Todd Coffee, I'm not sure if you remember Todd Coffee. Yeah, big reliever. 
They, yeah, you know, he's huge sprinting from the bullpen, right? He goes, Rosie, that is the grossest thing I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. And the funny thing, the funny thing is, though, the next week, Todd Coffey walks into the clubhouse with a banana ah. with with mayonnaise on it. Oh, no. And I'm like, I'm like, you might want to try the muffin and milk. Oh, that's great. That is <laughs> so, funny. Well, that, hey, was, that was one of my superstitions is, is to so take in the muffin and milk before can, the game. Can you tell us, the you know, we've all seen Bull Durham and the wonderful speech that Cosner gives about the show and the difference and the baseballs are white and new every day. What is the yeah. difference between even AAA, which I'm assuming the, the level of play is great, but in terms of the travel, the accommodations, uh, the meals and so forth, is it is it the night and day that, you know, us uninitiated would think it is? I, mean, I, feel, like they're, I feel like they're bridging the gap now. Pretty good. I feel like they're taking care of mine, uh, the AAA level at least, what I experienced, like with oh, the spreads cool. and everything. But in the big leagues, it's like it, everything's so accessible. Everything's at your service. Mm. Everything is just um, – it's a dream come true. Like whatever you need, it's it's there for you and more of it. Right. Like you have a spread and you have four different options to eat. You can have steak, shrimp, lobster, whatever you want. Like it's not just you get – you know, pasta and sure. meat sauce, you know, like triple A. You know, it's got, you got different options, you know, you get what you want. And and if you don't have it, you can get it really quick. Like, so it's, um, and then, you know, just uh, playing the game under the, the lights are brighter. Obviously, the, the they have to be. Um, the fans, the, the, it's louder. You mm. got more energy. Um, that's a whole different level. And then obviously the travel, the cities you go to, there's always things to do in the, in the towns. There's, and for me, I always had family in the different towns I went to, the different cities, the big cities. People would always come visit, so I'd always get to see them. Um, it's a dream. To play in the big leagues. It's, it's, so, it's, Adam, there's, there's there no... was never a day, and, and Tristan and I, in, in the interest of fairness, we chatted a little bit last night, and I had mentioned the, potentially asking you this question, and he said, no, Adam is a lover of the game. He's going to say never a moment. But baseball is a long season. You work all year. There's never a time in the middle of August where it's 98 degrees and maybe you're out of the playoff race, you're out of pennant contention where you think to yourself, oh, man, another baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. No, it's it's because we're human, right? Right. I never thought that. I never thought like another oh another baseball game. You know, like I was always geared up. Yeah. And if I if I wasn't, the, I would. I, that's you. You're done. You know. You yeah. can't let that slip. I couldn't with the talent that I had. <laughs> right. There's some guys that I'm sure could. You know. I'm sure they did. And they're every. I was a utility player, right? I didn't. I wasn't in their 162 games like Elvis Andrews. True. Right? Playing every day. But every, me personally, I never felt that way. That's great. Tristan's right. I am passionate and a lover of the game. But then again, I am human, though. There's times where I spaced, you know. It, <laughs> it was tough. It was gr- it was, <laughs> it was grindy. That's funny. Like, I'm in the clubhouse. Like, man, it's only June. Like, with <laughs> like it, it gets, it's grindy, man. But, but then once the game starts, what, 7 o'clock starts? Right. It is go time, and it sure. is amazing. Like, it is so cool. Yeah, it is so cool. So you had mentioned being in AAA with Tide Coffee. Uh, first of all, man, I'm still disgusted by a banana with mayonnaise. Like, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> and, and, and to me, the muffin actually sounds okay, like a muffin yeah, and milk. Not that, that's not bad. Um, no. 
But you said you were a step away from the majors, which uh, is the case. So what do you remember about being called up for the first time? Like what stands out in your mind about that first day being in the big leagues? Well, my gosh, that is – well, there's only three times when time has stopped for me. Yeah. And both of those times have been my my daughter Juliet was born and my son Adrian was born, and then when I got called to the big leagues. And it was special because – I was taking reps in the in the batting cage by myself, and I walked back into the clubhouse, and nobody's in the clubhouse. Well, what the heck? And Rick Sweet, which one of my mentors, and I love the guy, he comes out and he says, "Rose, where, where the heck are you? You're late for stretch." And I'm like, "What? You know, I just talked about being like a regimen routine, right?" I'm like, "There's no way I'm late for stretch. I'm like, what the heck? I'm never late." And he goes, that is it, Rosie. I am sick and tired of it. Pack your bags. You are going to Cincinnati. Nice. And all my and a couple of my teammates jumped out like of their lockers and like they were hiding and behind the wall and it was just special. And I, you know, I, I, I teared up. I started crying a little bit. You know, it was special, man. And it's just I'm a major league baseball player. Like that's what my, my goal was to play one day, specifically one day. In the major leagues at Wrigley Field because that's where I'm from, Chicago. But and it happened. You know, I was a ma- I'm a major league baseball player, and it, nobody could take that away from me. You know. Yeah. That's awesome. How about once you got to Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati? What was that like walking in for the first time as a player? Oh, just talk about the big leagues. Just the smell of it. You know, like this is this is like just refreshing, and the, you know, getting you know seeing Bronson Arroyo and Jerry Harrison Jr. All these guys yeah. and. Uh, you know, seeing the guys I came up with, like Bruce was there, you know, like just really neat. But I remember the fir- my first at-bat mm. was off um, the Houston Astros. fast First pitch, fastball. I drove it to right field to the warning track, and the guy caught it at the wall. <laughs> but, you know me, I, I, I'm not even – I'm not thinking it's a home run, but I'm, I'm about at second base already because I'm not going to lally guy, you know. <laughs> and I'm running back to the dugout. And the fans are going nuts. That's great. Because I, I, I don't know if they like the hustle or whatever. They, they're just kind of. I'm wearing number. I'm, I was wearing number sixty. Nice. But it was just special. I came back. The fans were just embraced me, and I was, it was just unbelievable. Yeah, well, I remember being, you know, we do uh, the my day job. We do the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, we're part of their radio network. And, uh, you know, also I'm a fan, luckily, so that, that worked out. But, you know, I remember that, that, I guess, you said late August when you were initially called up. But, uh, yeah, I just remember that, that fall, like, people loved your hustle. Like, you know, everybody was, uh, you know, everybody was on board. Everybody was a big fan. That was really cool, you know, watching your career. Uh, you know, even for the Cincinnati fans, you'll see a lot of folks on some of the, uh, the chat boards and stuff that would still be rooting for you years after you'd played in Cincinnati. So yeah. it was very cool. So, uh, yeah. So was there a moment in the majors after you'd been there a little while and you got like, uh, maybe one of your first major league checks, that was like a cool story about taking a look at that major league check. And did you buy anything uh, silly with one of your early checks? Uh, man, yeah, the first, I, I mean, my family, we, we don't come from anything. You know, like it was pretty special to receive that. Um, that first check was, um, it just kind of uh, unreal, you know, like you can't really, uh, it kind of leaves you speechless. Mm. Um, but, 
so I, I was kind of like really like safe with the with that. I didn't really spend. I was almost like afraid to spend. You know, sure. like I put that thing in a safe really quick. <laughs> um, but I did. I, I went out and bought like um, what did I buy? Actually, I didn't really buy anything extravagant. Maybe a pair of new shoes or something like that. But, um, but I do remember Mark Ellis the next year. Because, you know, I'm still a rookie, you know, making a league minimum, whatever. But he's like, Rosie, you want to trade checks for today? And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you're kidding, right? He's like, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, Mark Ellis, he's always a jokester. But there's no way he's trading funny. checks with me. That's hilarious. It, oh, go ahead, Ray. Sorry. Well, Adam, what was that timeline from the time you left uh, Central Michigan and, and, and made it up to Great American? Yeah, so – it's Western Michigan. I'm sorry, Western Michigan. <laughs> Everybody says Central. I'm Todd's going to note that. Forward. Todd's going to catch that again and put that on Facebook. Yeah. Yes, he will. Yes, that's twice in two shows. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to call you. I just want to make No, no, please. I'm, I'm just defending the Broncos. That's all I'm doing. Absolutely. Um, from the time, so it's 2005. I got called up three years later. So really quick. Did you play at every level, Adam? Was it like A ball, double yeah, every, A? Well, I didn't play in the GCL, the Gulf Coast League, which would be like the rookie level. Okay. I started in short season rookie ball, which was in Billings. Then I got called up to Dayton, which was a dream come true almost in itself. That was like getting called up to the big leagues. That's a cool stadium. Um, then I went to Sarasota. I struggled, so I had to kind of repeat that in 2007. Um, and then I got called up to Chattanooga halfway through, and then that's when my career took off. I, got, I, I went to the Fall League in 2007, and then that's why I started playing winter ball. I went to Puerto Rico in 2008. Then I went to – that's when I got called up in 2008, and then I played winter ball in 2009. And then 2010 put me on the map. That was my best year in the big leagues, I feel like, and it kind of kept me there. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. It was a pretty quick trek. Yeah. Sounds like and that's it, yeah. why I, I tell all these young kids because I'm fortunate enough to to manage rookie ball for the A's now, and I say, guys, listen, this is the most important step of your career. You got to go right now. You have to get going right now. You have to make somebody notice you today, right. and you cannot take one pitch off. And I try to like really drill that into them that you cannot take one day for granted because if you are, you might as well go home. Because you're just wasting your time. Well, it really seems like that's the drive. I know it's a hard message, but it's true, though. So Yeah, it seems like the drive that got you to the big leagues. It seems like you, you – because Tristan talked before about speed, and we know that you can't teach it, so, so to say. But hustle you, – you know, hustle is just kind of individual. And you were that guy, right? Yeah. And that gets noticed. Hustle is something that everybody notices. Yeah, it, it's because – but more than hustle, it's the mentality that you bring to the – to the, the park every single day. Right. Hustle kind of is like the, uh, whatever, the, uh, it's just like the, what, the, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like it's the, it just happens. Hustle just yeah. happens because you got the right mentality. Right. What I was trying to so say. you had right. mentioned Mark Ellis uh, joking about paychecks with you at one point. Uh, uh, was there a, was there a lot of good pranks, funny clubhouse stories, anything ridiculous that is uh, shareable? Uh, well, that's the, that's the, that's the keyword. I don't think it's shareable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable sharing sure. some of these pranks. But I just, I mean, one one time I'll keep it, you know, PG, whatever. PG. But, um, you you don't you don't have to for well, us. You could be as, as blue uh, as you want, but <laughs> just whatever you're comfortable. Just, just protect other other people. Sure. You know. Um, Fair enough. Um, I remember one time we had a rookie. 
gosh, I forgot who it was, but um, the rookie went in and splashed cold water on Adrian Beltre. I know we're talking a lot about Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre is in the hot tub. Oh, wow. Just relaxing before the game. And the rookie went in and splashed cold water all over him. And Adrian jumped out of that hot tub like a grizzly bear. <laughs> and chased this rookie down. <laughs> and the rookie... Man, I can't I forgot. Anyway, the rookie, after the game, the rookie's... One of his pant legs was cut off. <laughs> and we were traveling. And the rookie was wearing, like, neon green underwear. <laughs> so, really... <laughs> We had to get on the airplane, and all the flight attendants could see, like, he had one pant leg missing. That's great. Because he was trying to play a prank on Adrian Beltre. Man, what what kind of nerve do you have as a rookie coming in to play a prank Uh, on a veteran like that? Like, this guy must have just had steel ones. Yeah, I guess. I guess. No, Adrian also, like, notoriously does not like his head touch. Does the same, right? (laughs) And Elvis Andrus always try to mess with him. Everybody try to mess with him, but oh man, Adrian Beltre is the best. He's the Adam, greatest. Adam, did That's I hear awesome. you say you have two children? And, and what's their ages? Yeah, two, uh, yeah, two children: seven-year-old, five-year-old. So are they showing, uh, you know, uh, athletic ability, a love of the game yeah, that they, Dad loves so much? Yeah, my wife's athletic. Uh, obviously, I was blessed with athleticism, and they do. They they always want to go, and it's the energy. Yeah. Right. It's not just being athletic. It's they they want to go. They're almost like racehorses. You know, they just want to <laughs> go. Like, how do you contain their energy? But um, for ba- Adrian, really liked baseball at first, but now I mean, he's five years old only, and he's talking a lot about. Can we put him in flag football? And he loves that. Oh, cool. Um, he's in basketball right now, but I'm a huge com- uh, advocate of playing different sports. There you, know? you go. So. He'll fall in love with every sport, whatever sport he he loves. But I mean, obviously, he'll he'll know that I love baseball and whatever he wants to do, I'm cool with. Except for playing, I don't want him to play tackle football. Like I really don't. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard too many no, it's true. stories. And yeah. A lot more really risk. A lot more risk than reward, I think. Yeah, I just I just think about the concussions and uh, my brother-in-law broke his leg playing. Yeah. I'm like, man, like. You, you can you can break your legs like uh, Stephen Drew broke his leg. Remember, he was one of my former teammates. Right. Broke his leg sliding in the home plate. Right. I mean, you can't really prevent it, but like, I, for me, it's more the concussion thing. Like long term, you, you know, like you might want to be something else in life than an athlete. You know, and to have a good brain, a good mind. For me, that's your health is everything. So I don't know. That's what, that's yeah. what my philosophy is. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how we'll see what he thinks. We'll see what, <laughs> what Adrian's in high school say. Yeah, right. But no doubt, I'm trying to stick to my ground. So you uh, are not an advocate, and I agree 100. percent And I think Tristan and I actually chatted a little bit about this last night. You know, these travel leagues and so forth, where everything is concentrated at a young age on one sport. I mean, you know, yeah. I guess at some point that can come. Maybe as maybe as early as high school, but. But, yeah, I, I, do you agree that, you know, an 8- to 10-year-old, man, try everything? Yeah, you should, you should be trying everything at 8, 10 years old. I started getting serious when I was about 12 years old. Okay. With one sport. You know, I started – because I really love baseball. And it was unheard of back in the day. But, I mean, I played 100 games in the summer. It was like a travel ball team. Wow. That wow. was really unheard of. And yeah. I'm so, and if I didn't do that, I don't think I would have been a major league baseball player, to be honest with you. 
I really don't think like I think that's where I really started learning the game is at that age. But I loved it though. What was the name of that team, Adam? It started with the the Chicago Diamonds, and then the next year was the Chicago Crusaders, and then I, so it was excellent. Yeah, it was really a cool opportunity. But I loved it though. That's the thing. If you yeah. love doing it, sure. But you know, my dad was such a huge backbone in my life. You know, he kept me on the right track. He wasn't, he wasn't a rah rah and get in your face type of coach parent. He would just he always asked me. He said, "What do you want to do with baseball?" And I'd always say, "I want to play in the major leagues." And he would say, "Well, you got to get in the car. We got to go play a game." <laughs> Sorry about it. That's you cool. can't go up to the lake house. You know, you gotta you gotta sacrifice a little bit. And I right. And I'm so glad that I I followed, I heeded to his advice, you know. That's great. Nice. So looking, uh, the folks listening right now on Spotify and Apple uh, don't see this, but I see in the background you've got a pretty dope-looking Derek Jeter, what I assume is an autographed jersey. Over the course of your career, what cool memorabilia stuff do you have? Um, well, I, I mean, there's a, I wish I could show you guys. I mean, I could. I could kind of show you guys. The, the office, my wife and I actually, because we just moved into the, the house a couple years ago, and we finally got the office set up. So we got a lot of different memories of, from the career, because she was a huge part of my career, too. She was with me the, my whole major league career, at least. Um, but, you know, I have Dallas Braden gave us a little memento from the, from the perfect game. Nice. The Indians, when we went to the playoffs, there's a little memento. Um, I I collected a lot of baseballs. I got over probably 100 baseballs of my favorite uh, teammates or guys that I really enjoyed watching play. I have a Rod Carew signed baseball that I love. Because I I got to work with Rod Carew in 2019 in in, uh, spring training with the Twins. My wife has all the tickets. Of all the games she ever went to, I think it amounts to like 580-something tickets. Wow. That's great. And we have it like in a glass table. Um, but obviously the Jeter jersey is pretty special. I got a lot of, I got, you know, the Paul Goldschmidt jersey. He wrote a, a really sweet message. Um, a couple other teammates, I got their jerseys. But Derek Jeter is pretty special because, I, you know, my favorite ball player was Sean Dunstan. I got his jersey right here, but... Jeter, you know, he was raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. Which is where, that's Western Michigan, right? That's right, you know. So the first time I got to meet Derek Jeter, I was number 60 for the Reds in spring training. I get to second base, he's playing shortstop. And he's like, hey, Adam, how you doing? I'm no like, well, kidding. Well, Derek, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> We're on first name basis, like, but he said, so he asked me questions, where I'm from, where I went to school. I said, oh, I went to Western Michigan. And he's like, well, tell Coach Decker I said hi. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, he's just like the detail and how, like, uh, important that was to him. So I was always a big fan of Jeter in high school watching him win all those World Series. But, yeah. So it's, it's cool to have all this stuff. I know I went on a tangent right there. but Man, that's awesome, though. Yeah, that is fantastic, and it's good. And it's good to hear that he, you know, as big a star as he was, was pretty down to earth with you, chatting yeah, with a kid that he doesn't even know. That's great. Always, always, always said hi. Always super. It's funny. I actually have a, a slight Derek Jeter connection. I was born in a little town in New Jersey called Pequannock, and we were at a Reds game, and Jeter comes up, and in center field, they've got on the board as his birthplace. 
Poquanic, New Jersey. And the reason that was is his dad was a, 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 a military guy, and there was a Picatinny arsenal he was stationed at. And Derek was actually born in 1974 in my hometown, which was pretty cool. Didn't live there long. He, as you said, they, they shortly went to Michigan. But I was like, check that out. Derek Jeter. Yeah. All right, cool. And truly one of the greats, wasn't he? Truly was. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's fun to watch and all those World Series that he won. Well, it's funny, Adam, talking about hustle. I still remember that play he made. I think it was against the A's in a playoff where he backed up home plate. Didn't have to do it. He was out on the field. And see, that's the thing about baseball, too, to tell a young kid. It is a slow-moving game. You can stand there and do nothing. But there's always somewhere you can go or something you can do if you want to. If you're in right field, back up first base. If you're playing shortstop, you know, there's a 1 in in 10 or 1 in 100 chance there's going to be an overthrow. But on that play, there was. He scooped it, flipped it back, and I think they tagged Giambi out at home. And it's like one of the great plays ever because he didn't have to do it. That's right. He was in the right place at the right time because he pre-pitched the situation or he anticipated what was going to happen. And you talk about, like, why that's how special that is to know the game of baseball, but it's amazing how it parallels to real-life situations. That's that's why I love baseball and how much it translates to real life and how many lessons I've learned from playing baseball, how to prepare yourself, how to anticipate so you can be a good leader, you know. That's great. So, Adam, uh, speaking of the mental aspect of baseball, tell us a little bit about Mindful Player. Oh, man, I, I have such passion for this because I have such passion for the youth. You know, we, we started it. I, I had the idea because I saw a kid working out next to me one of my last years playing baseball. And he, was, he was hitting, and he was hitting really fast off the tee. And I was, he was probably taking three swings to every one swing I was taking. But he had earbuds in his ear. And I'm like, he's probably listening to music and kind of just going through the motions. But I was thinking, well, how cool would it be if he had a coach in his ears and walking him through that routine, walking him through that process? And so I immediately called up one of my favorite hitting coaches, Ronnie Ortegon. He was with the Cincinnati Reds for a little while. Um, and one of my buddies who trains the U.S. Army, he does like sports psychology stuff for U.S. Army. So us three got together and created this program for young players. So we have players, we, we created this whole system with all of Andy's study. Andy's the, like the sports psychologist. Um, and we created just a, a template. They're like two-minute audio files that they listen to as they hit. Um, and now we're just you know, really trying to help kids identify or understand their process, understand the routine and how important that is. And we're actually doing a study right now with five different high schools, two in Chicago, two in Utah, and one in Pennsylvania to see how this is really working. Um, But I love doing it. Mindful Player is really neat. I love working on it. I was reading a book recently about like, hey, make sure you love what you do. Like you should be able to wake up and sprint to work. Right? And that's how I feel about managing with the A's. I love getting to the ball field. But this, when I have the time off, I wake up. Like today I woke up at 4.45 on my own. I know it's crazy, but like because <laughs> I'm excited to like put this together for these players. That is great. Because I really feel like it can really help them out. So that player that's working out, taking three swings to every one swing that I'm taking because he's rushing through his workout, mm. let's slow you down a little bit. And that's what – 
Ronnie, Andy, and I are doing with the Mindful Player. So thanks for asking about that. Yeah, that's yeah and, and if folks want to learn more about that or, you know, folks have kids that are developing or practicing baseball and want to l- learn more, where would they go? Mindfulplayer.com. It's pretty Great. pretty simple. Or you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're all over the place. And there's some really cool content. I just put out, like, a free hitting course, too, like that coaches can – this is basically, like, 50 videos of drills – um, that they can just access for free. But. So you're locked in, Adam. I mean, obviously your goal is to make it to the major leagues as a manager, and obviously Trizan and I want to see you do that and wish you the best. But you're you're a baseball guy the rest of your life, aren't you? You're you, you found your passion and your and your career. Uh, I, I am. I, I'm, I'm definitely passionate about baseball, but more importantly, I'm using it as a platform because I my, my passion is with the youth. You know how. Mm-hmm how pivotal this time in their life is. Like I, like I tell, again, I tell my players with the A's, this is the most important step in your career. Like this is, it's important. You, you, you better do everything you can to maximize this opportunity. And that's why yep. I want to just share with the youth, you know, like it, you got to be serious. Man, it's fantastic. Trizan, I'll let you close out. But, Adam, I know we're getting uh, close on time. Thank you so much for your time. I I know you're a busy, busy man. How's the weather down there? We woke up to a couple inches of snow in central Kentucky. Oh, it's miserable down here. (laughs) 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 I sure hate to hear that for you, Adam. It's got to be awful. All right, folks. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. And, uh, and yeah, as you listen to this, if you got kids, if you got uh, nieces, nephews uh, interested in baseball, check out Adam Rosales on the social media and mindfulplayer.com. Uh, Adam, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you answering the, the texts and calls almost every time I, I reach out. And I don't know why you do it, but I sure appreciate it. <laughs> I love you, man. Love you too, Adam. Appreciate our relationship, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Hey, take care, brother, and good luck this season. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.